This morning, if you have your Bibles with you, or your phones, or your technology, whatever you have, would you turn them to 1 Corinthians chapter 7, and when you get there, would you stand and that we would honor the reading of the Word of the Lord. We're going to read our text. We're going to be in 1 Corinthians chapter 7, verses 10 through 16. The title of the message this morning is Marriage and Divorce. Paul is writing and he says, Now to the married, I command, yet not I, but the Lord. A wife is not to depart from her husband. But even if she does depart, let her remain unmarried or be reconciled to her husband. And a husband is not to divorce his wife. But to the rest, I, not the Lord, say, If any brother has a wife who does not believe, and she is willing to live with him, Let him not divorce her. And a woman who has a husband who does not believe, if he's willing to live with her, let her not divorce him. For the unbelieving husband is sanctified by the wife, and the unbelieving wife is sanctified by the husband. Otherwise your children would be unclean, but now they are holy. But if the unbeliever departs, let him depart. A brother or sister is not under bondage in such cases. But God has called us to peace. For how do you know, O wife, whether you will save your husband? Or how do you know, O husband, whether you will save your wife? Let us pray. Father, this morning I I just want to come before you and I pray, God, that as you look down upon us this day, I'm asking you, Lord, that you would uh, just, God, give give me grace, bless the preaching of your word, open our minds to see, give us clear understanding. God, let our hearts have such a desire to desire what you desire for us, Lord, that we wouldn't be looking to this world for for our, our instruction, but we'd be looking to your word. I pray that you'd be with each one here. I want to lift up the Bill Hart and his family this morning, Father, just for losing his, his father. We pray, God, for grace and comfort there. I ask you that you'd be with Miss Pat and Miss Helen this day, Lord, and be with them in their, in their afflictions. And we pray that you would strengthen them, Father, today. I want to thank you, God, for everybody that's here, everybody that may be watching us on Facebook or whatever. God, let your word go out, and I know it will accomplish your perfect will. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. We're going to talk about a subject today that we might all say, you know, this doesn't seem to apply to us right now, but I want to say this. We're going to be looking at marriage and divorce, and really the question is about Divorce. That's what the question is about. You know, Paul, he said in, 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 the, in the first verse of chapter 7, he said, Now concerning the things which you wrote to me, it, it appears that there was a, a list of questions or concerns that they had. They were asking for Paul's instruction, what his teaching was on it. And the first one we looked at was, is it, is it good for a man not to touch a woman? Meaning, is it good just to remain single? And Paul gave his instructions. But here, it looks like the question probably was, is it 
wrong to get a divorce? And maybe more in particular, the way we start with this, is it is it wrong for a wife to get a divorce? So the first category that we look at is to the married. Now I want to say something. When we're dealing with marriage and divorce, I highly doubt that there's a person in here that has not been affected by it in some way. Whether you've gone through it yourself in a horrible situation, or it was somebody you were in a broken home, or that it, it, it touches everybody's lives. And so we want to know what the Bible actually teaches about this, that we will know how to deal with it in our own lives, but we can also, by knowing what God says about these things, that we would be able to, when we see people dealing with these situations and maybe our opinion or our counsel is asked, we will know how to, to give right counsel according to the Word of God. So Paul writes and he says, Now to the married. This whole chapter deals with the unmarried. It deals with widows. It deals with... With the married, it deals with virgins. And that's the categories that we're looking at. So here, right off the bat, the first point is he's, he's writing to the married. And he's talking about believers, two believers that are married together. And Paul writes and he says, I command, but then he says, yet not I, but the Lord. So he's saying the Lord has given us this command. He said, a wife is not to depart from her husband. Now I'm going to go ahead and read verse 11 with this. And then we're going to look at some things. He says, but even if she does depart, let her remain unmarried or be reconciled to her husband. And a husband is not to divorce his wife. So you could just start off with this. It is this, that we are, we're not to depart. If we're married, we're not to be looking to leave the marriage or we're not looking to put somebody away. That is ideally what God desires for us in marriage. Amen? Amen, yeah. And so, so what he says here, he says, this is the command of the Lord. And he says, a wife is not to depart her husband. So it looks like maybe the question that was being asked is, is it okay? Now let's remember we're, we're in Corinth when we're reading this. And Corinth was running rampant with divorce. Well, matter of fact, even the Jews had come to the place where the question was asked Jesus, is it lawful for a man to put away his wife for any cause? Can we do that? It had came to the time and when Jesus walked on earth that you could almost come up with any reason to put your wife away. Now, almost every one of these, every one of them pretty much, were just trumped up charges just to get rid of this wife that I can probably get me a new one. That's probably what it was about. But here's the command. No. A wife is not to depart from her husband and a husband is not to divorce his wife. Now, there are some people that will teach this. They'll go back into Matthew chapter 5 and Matthew chapter 19 and in Mark chapter 10 where Jesus is talking about it's not allowed to put away your wife except for the cause of fornication. Or we can say, I guess, for the cause of adultery. And they'll say, now that was when Jesus was here and the law was still in effect 
And that's what Moses allowed. And so that's what Jesus is saying. But now that we're past that, there's absolutely no reason that a person can ever get a divorce from another person. That is not what Paul is saying here. Paul is dealing with pretty much normal situations right here. But what he's dealing with is a desire. People just get tired of one another or get in a fight, whatever. We're just not getting along. You know what? I think I'll go down and divorce you today. I'll just stand in line. I'll get my paperwork done. And man, we'll be out of this thing. And I'll be honest, that's pretty much the way divorce or marriage and divorce is kind of looked at today. It's just kind of almost like you remember being in junior high and you'd get you a girlfriend or a boyfriend and man, you was just so in love. And then after a few weeks, couple months, something like that, somebody better comes along or something and you know, you're just broke up. Listen, yeah, that may work back in them days, but that does not work in the confines of marriage. Now, let's look at this for a moment. I do want to read this because I do want to show you something because God does give exceptions for divorce. Now, I'm going to just read out of the book of Mark. It's a little more condensed than Matthew, maybe, but it covers actually what we're looking at right here. So, in the 10th chapter of the book of Mark, beginning in verse 2, it says, The Pharisees came... And asked him, they're talking to Jesus. They said, is it lawful for a man to divorce his wife? And they were testing him. They're never, they never come to Jesus with a real genuine question that they really want to know. What they're trying to do is they're trying to set him up that they can accuse him of sinning or teaching falsely. And this is what he says. Jesus answered and said to them, he says, what did Moses command you? And they said, Moses permitted a man to write a certificate of divorce and dismiss her. And Jesus answered and said to them, because of the hardness of your heart, he wrote you this precept. Now you got to understand back in the in times, there, it was like, it was actually an act of mercy on God's part because people were being done wrong. The women in particular were being done wrong. They were being accused and being put aside. But God says from the beginning, it was not this way. It says from the beginning of creation, God made them male and female. And we need to remember that male and female. There's, there's a reason God made it that way. And he says, for this reason, a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife and the two shall become one flesh, so then they are no longer two, but one flesh. Therefore, what God has joined together, let not man separate. It would be fantastic if we could just end right there and everybody live happily ever after. Have you ever just thought about marriage for a moment? I've thought about this at times, you know, you, sometimes you get in those deep little weird thoughts, you know, you kind of get into. And I thought, me and Randy are not related through blood. We're, we're, you know, my kids are, there's my blood, their blood, all that, her and the kids, but, but me and her, we don't have that. But there's nobody on planet earth that I'm closer to than that lady right there. There's something about marriage that when God unites two people, that those two become one. 
And it's an amazing thing, and it's, it's really just kind of, I'm not able to explain it, of, of, of that sense of what it is. But there, listen, I mean, it's like this. My kids learned early on, you, you can throw fits or whatever, and that's gonna, you're getting in trouble, but you better not ever, you better not ever do something like that to your mom. You better not make her mad. When they, when they aggravated my wife, things changed big time. You don't do that. It's because God has made us one. Now listen to this. He says, now after that conversation, it says, in the house, his disciples also asked him again about the same matter. And he said to them, he says, now look, whoever divorces his wife and marries another commits adultery against her. And if a woman divorces her husband and marries another, she commits adultery. Now, Let's look over here real quick in Matthew 19. Same passage, but there's just a little bit added here. And he says it like this. In verse 9 of 19, chapter 19, verse 9, he says, And I say to you, whoever divorces his wife except for sexual immorality and marries another commits adultery, and whoever marries her who is divorced, commits adultery. So he gave an exception right there. In the case of adultery, a man or a woman is permitted to put that person away. Now let me ask you this. Is that the first thing that a person should desire to do? Now I want to tell you something. It tears, it rips, it hurts, it destroys, it kills. I mean, there's so many adjectives we could use to describe what adultery does in a relationship. But is divorce the first thing that we should desire to do? And I don't think really anybody most likely desires that. No, but what we want to do, listen to what he, let me go back over and let me show you what he says to do. He says, if a wife, he said, the command is a wife is not to depart from her husband. But he says, but even if she does depart, now that word depart there, it is, he's talking about get a divorce. I've heard, I've been in so many debates and conversations over this. They're saying, well, she departed. Well, listen, it says she departed and it says, let her remain unmarried. If you just, if my wife left my house, but she's still married to me, she's not unmarried. She's still married. This depart and this putting away, the departing of the woman and the putting away of the man equals divorce. That's what he's talking about. So he says, if a husband has done this, if she's, I mean, if a wife has already departed or if she does this, let her remain unmarried. Now, what he's saying is this. If the situation is not about adultery, then you remain unmarried. God gives you no biblical grounds to remarry if that's the case. Okay? Now, listen to this. Now, you say, well, why would God give her a command? And then it says right after that, if she does depart. Now, Paul doesn't give it right here. And as far as I know, Scripture doesn't give it, but I'm going to tell you what I believe about this. 
There are situations that if a woman was in, that I would probably advise them to leave. I'm not saying get a, get a divorce, but I'm saying that I would get out of the home. One is physical abuse to the wife or, and or the children. Another would be things like illegal activity going on in the home, especially in the day and age that we live in. If somebody was a drug dealer making meth, things like that, if a woman was to stay in that and the state was to get involved, the authorities were getting involved, I will tell you this, you as a wife, even though you're not involved or you're trying to not be, but you remain there, you're probably going to lose your children. You might be given the option of getting out, but most likely they're going to tell you you're guilty of not protecting your children. If there's rampant pornography in the home, things like that. Anything like that that would hurt the, the marriage, hurt the children, it would do those things, I would say you need to get out of that home. I'm not telling you go get a divorce, but I am telling you that I would tell you to remove yourself from that home and you find a safe place to be in, to stay in. So, but just in what he's telling them right here, the simple thing is this. We don't just marry and just like we get tired of it in a little while and, you know, it's like, well, they're not, you know, they're not a good cook or they're not as pretty as they used to be or this or that or whatever. I just think I want to get a divorce. And then we conjure things up. I mean, people have done all kinds of things, but when you start down the road of looking like, how can I get out of this? You're already on the wrong side of the road. Let's keep in mind what this marriage is about. As believers, as Christians, your marriage, your marriage, the, the, the main goal of your marriage is you are putting forth a picture or a portrait of Christ and His church. That's what it's about. So when, when there is this departing, when there is this putting away, and there's not a biblical grounds to, to marry someone else, he says, he says this, he says, be reconciled to your husband. Remain unmarried or be reconciled. And here's what this is going to look like. If there's issues in the home, let's have confession. Let's have repentance. Let's have forgiveness. And let's have reconciliation that God would be glorified in our marriages. Now listen, I, I realize that there's no perfect marriage. You may be sitting here today thinking, Man, he, you don't understand what I'm going through. I, you're right, I don't. I, I really don't. I look around and I assume that everybody's doing okay. I have no other reason to think otherwise. That is my hope. That's my assumption. And I pray that's the way it is. If it's not, I want to encourage you. You get on your knees and you seek God for your spouse. You seek God for reconciliation. Have you ever, I, we've been there. We've been there at times. I've been there when I, I did not know the right move to make. I felt like no matter what I did, it was wrong. And you just pray and all of a sudden one day God opens it up and it's just like it's so clear. How come I couldn't see this before? Now listen, men and women, we, we're, we're wired different. I think anybody has been married for any length of time, we've figured out that we think the other you know, the other side is crazy. We don't understand them. So we, we, let's, just, let's just put that out there right now. 
Men think women are kind of crazy. Women think that about the men. So, okay, that's all, well, that's a given point. Now, let's work on what God has told us to do. How we are to remain married, okay? So look at this. That's to the married people. That, that's, that's the instruction. I told my wife, I said, just, I don't know. And she said, maybe somebody... Maybe somebody's thinking crazy thoughts. I don't know. I hope not. I pray that God would work in your hearts. If you know somebody that is, give them the right instruction. I've had people come to me and ask me like, well, my husband, you know, was doing... No, we're going to be looking to get married. I had a young man come to me about two years ago, and he said, man, I think, I think divorce is the best thing for us. And I said, absolutely not. I said, you're not even going to talk like that. You're going to do what God has said. You're going to love your wife. You're going to honor her. You're going to care for her. You're going to cherish her. He didn't like what I was saying because he was at his end. I think she was at her end. I know that she went to her dad and said the same thing. And he told her, absolutely not. You need good counsel around you when you're not thinking straight. Now we get to the second group here, and this is going to be the remainder of the passage right here. And he says, but to the rest, but to the rest, who's the rest? This is what we call a mixed marriage. You ever heard that term used? Well, it's been used pretty much wrong every time you've probably ever heard it. You know what a mixed marriage is? It's when there's a believer married to an unbeliever. Now I want to give you the context right here of how it happens. Let me ask you this question. You don't have to answer because I'm going to just tell you, but I'm going to ask it. Is it okay for a Christian to marry an unbeliever? No. I don't want you to answer because in case you answered wrong, that would be embarrassing. It is never okay for a believer to marry an unbeliever. But here we're going to see where a believer is married to an unbeliever. Well, how did that happen? Well, here's how it happened. Paul goes into Corinth. He preaches the gospel. You've got people that are married. Everybody's pagan at best or at worst. Maybe they just don't worship anything at best. But they're all married. And one of the two becomes a believer. So now you have a believer that is in bond, bound in marriage to an unbeliever. So the next question would be this. Is this defiling me? Should I get rid of this unbelieving pagan spouse that I have? See, that's what he's talking about. Now look at what he says. Paul says, but to the rest, I, not the Lord, say. Now, people right here have tried to discount the Apostle Paul like he's just saying his own stuff. Jesus didn't say, this ain't from the Lord, this is my command. Like, okay, what you have to understand is, well, what does that mean? What that means is, this is a situation that Jesus never addressed when he was on earth. Okay, It really was never addressed in the Old Testament. God had his covenant people. There were seven nations that they were not to ever intermingle with. Now, other nations, they were at times allowed... Thank you, bud. And other, other people at times were taken captive and God would say, you can marry them. But there were things they did. They shaved their head. They did all these things. And they pretty much kind of made them a Jew. Okay, They weren't bloodline, but 
God made a way that they could marry sometimes these other nations. But there were seven nations. They said, he said, you're not to do it. But here, right here, he says, if any brother has a wife who does not believe. So a guy has come to the Lord. Now he has an unbelieving wife. The question is, Paul, I mean, should I put her away? She's a disgusting pagan now. Probably not the best way to put that if you're that husband. But he says, no, he says this. He said, if she's willing to live with you, let him not divorce her. If she's willing, if she wants to stay with you, no, don't put her away. I want you to think about this. Most likely, most of these these families, most of them probably had children. Can you imagine the confusion and the chaos and destruction that would happen? You come in there and this happens, and now it's like put put them filthy children and them, you know, your wife away, and don't have nothing to do with them because you're holy. No, they're just saying no. That's not the way to do this. He goes on in the next verse. He says, "And a woman who has a husband who does not believe, if she's willing to live." If he's willing to live with her, let her not divorce him. Now, it was permissible for a woman in that culture to put her husband away. But he says, no, if that unbeliever has a desire to to, to be with you, to stay with you, then you keep him. Now, first of all, how was this husband, this new Christian, this new creature in Christ, how was he to entreat his pagan wife? He's to love her. He's to love even this unbelieving wife. He's to love her the same way that Christ loves the church. He's to honor her. He's to he's to to nurture. He's to 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 entreat her. He's He's to take care of her the same way. Because here's what you have to understand: if you have an unbelieving companion, do you realize you are the first line of attack in evangelism? Now that word attack kind of throws you off a little bit. Don't attack your spouse. You attack them with love. You attack them with the gospel. I have seen homes where somebody came to the Lord and the other one didn't. And they would come to church by themselves, oftentimes. Praying. Asking the brethren to pray for my, for my wife, for my husband. Praying that they would come to saving faith in Jesus Christ. Because here's the thing. Just because you became a believer does not mean all of a sudden you don't love that person you're united with in the bonds of marriage. No, if anything, everything just increased. Because you know that if they never come to Christ, they're going to die in His wrath for an eternity. If you put them away, what you've done is you just removed the first thing that God has sent, that they may be saved. Think about that a moment. Oh, but what will all the Christians that have believing spouses, what will they think? They're praying. There's, there's, there's sympathy in, in, in a sense, but they're encouraging. How many times have we seen these things happen? In Montana... Another one of my Montana stories. When we moved up there, there was a, a woman that was a believer and her husband wasn't. Providentially, I got a job at the mine. Providentially, I got in a carpool. That providentially, he was part of that carpool. He wasn't thrilled we were there. Okay? 
But providentially, God just kept removing people out of our carpool till it was just him and I. And we were able to talk on the Bible. And he would say, well, I don't like this and this and this. And I'd say, well, I understand what you're saying. Have you ever thought about this? Now, this is a very intelligent guy. And if you ask him, he'll tell you. (laughs) I hope he listens to this. He's one of my best friends, but I'm his only friend. (laughs) But you know, as we just continued to, to do this, little by little, God began to open his eyes. Until one day he's opening the Bible and he realizes this is God's Word. Long story short, he's a Christian now. You see... We was never of the mind like, we well, should get rid of that heathen. No. We want to try to evangelize, preach the gospel. Now, ladies, how are you to do that? Well, remember this. And I've seen so many ladies. Ladies are more faithful than men. I'm going to be honest. Men are, are, are slow about this. Sometimes they're strong-armed. You know, like, I'm going to church. We're all going to church. You know, kind of like that. But... But I've seen ladies, and I mean, you could tell that the guy did not want to hear it. You could tell this. I mean, it was... And so they're just constantly leaving the Bible open or this or that. Maybe this has been you at times. I don't know. But here's what he says. He says, wives likewise, be submissive to your own husband. Start with that, wives. Be submissive. You're a believing wife. Submit to this unbelieving husband as... The church would Christ. Do it like that. And then he says this. That even if some don't obey the word, that that they without a word may be won by the conduct of their wives. Now there's an old saying that says, preach the gospel, use words as necessary. I, I find that foolish. I do understand it. Our lives should be lived in such a way that we wouldn't even have to speak a word, but the Bible says preach the gospel, right? Preach it. But in this situation, he's telling the wife, you live in such a godly way that your husband looks and says, there's such a difference in my wife. I want what she has. That's what he says to the wife. So, so here we are, verses Verses 12 and 13. If you listen, if you know somebody that has an unbelieving wife or an unbelieving husband, you encourage them to stay the course. You encourage them to live the life of a Christian wife. Not to be nagging on them or harassing them or, you know, this or that. Don't do those things. We had, we had a couple come to our house one time. We had kind of a small group going on. And every week this lady would come by herself and, and she would tell us about her husband. And they had actually been missionaries over in China or somewhere years before. And, and now they're married and they come back and I mean, things are kind of rough. And so one night he finally shows up at our small group at our house. And the lady gets up. And she says, I just want you to know, I just feel the presence of God in your home. And, you know, I don't know what to think about all this stuff, but I was like, well, I appreciate that, you know, hopefully. 
But then she goes, but I feel a real strong presence. And she moves over right in front of her husband. And she goes, I feel a strong presence like right here. And I look at the guy and he's just rolling his eyes like, I knew I shouldn't have came here. Now, we know what her desire is. But folks, everything she's doing is working backwards. She's just repelling him from anything. That's not the way to do it. I want you to remember one thing. God does not work according to your timing. We want everything done right now. You just be faithful and God will do things in His timing. Okay? So, he says that. So, now listen. Listen to this next part. Now, you've got to keep in mind that to say what Paul has just said is big. I mean, he has just told a Christian... A believer in Christ to stay with an unbelieving and most likely a pagan idolater. And he's saying, I want you to stay. And then he gives why. This next point, well actually that point there if you're keeping notes is called the desire to stay. This next one is called sanctified and holy. Listen to this. He says, for the unbelieving husband, and this is the husband that wants to stay, is sanctified by the wife. Now, this sanctification is not like in salvation because he's an unbeliever. It says he is. But what it is, it's saying that God has, has, has uh, uh, accepted and honored this union in marriage. He, he's going to bless it. Now, listen to this. He says the unbelieving husband is sanctified by the wife and the unbelieving wife is sanctified by the husband. Now, you've got to understand something. I want to turn back over to Deuteronomy chapter 7. And I'm going to read the the first few verses to you. Now, listen to this. In in chapter 7, beginning at verse 1, he says, Now, what Moses is talking about here is is they're about to enter into the promised land. Deuteronomy is is really getting them ready to, to go into the promised land. And he says this. He says, When the Lord your God brings you into the land which you go to possess, and he's cast out many nations before you. And here's those seven nations, the Hittites, the Girgashites, the Amorites, and the Canaanites, and the Perizzites, and the Hivites, and the Jebusites, seven nations greater and mightier than you. And when the Lord your God delivers them over to you, you shall conquer them and utterly destroy them. You shall make no covenant with them, nor show mercy to them, nor shall you make marriages with them. You shall not give your daughter to their son, nor take their daughter for your son, for they will turn your sons away from following me to serve other gods. And so the anger of the Lord will be aroused against you and destroy you suddenly. Did you hear that? What he's saying was this. He said, when you bring in these forbidden nations and you make a covenant you marry into them you give your sons and daughters to them you have just defiled yourselves you have defiled the people of God and God is going to deal with you harshly now we come to the New Testament and he reverses it you see that one unbeliever was going to defile the whole camp But now he says this one believer 
is going to cause God's blessing to be upon this whole household. That's what he's saying in this passage. One believer is going to bless this entire... Listen, he says, the unbelieving wife is sanctified by the wife, or the husband is sanctified by the wife. The unbelieving wife is sanctified by the husband. And he says, otherwise your children would be unclean, but now they are holy. Now this is one of those verses that everybody looks at and says, well, are my children unclean? What he's saying is, back in those times, if you would have had a child... If you would have joined yourself and had a child to someone that God had forbidden, they would have been ceremonially unclean, never able to enter into the temple. They would have never been able to worship God. They would have never been a covenant people of the Lord. But here, we have two pagans with children. Everybody's unclean in that. But now one of them becomes a believer, and this one believer is going to bring... Blessing not only to the Christian, but even to the Christian's husband or wife, whichever one it is. And there's going to be promises made even to the children. See, they're going to reap the benefits of a Christian home even though they're not. Now, that doesn't mean they're saved. But it means that God is going to honor and bless this home. And so you see, God has reversed exactly what was happening back in the nation of Israel. Now, I hope, I hope that all is clear. I hope that makes sense. But now he says this. He says in verse 15, now this, is the, the, this point is the desire to depart. So up there in 12 and 13, he says if they, if they don't want to depart, but now he says, but if the unbeliever departs, let him depart. Now I want to say something. If the unbeliever desires to get out of this marriage, you've become a Christian. Your spouse did not become a Christian. A little time went on and you're, you're really encouraging them. Oh, you come to the Lord, you know, the joy, the peace. And they say, listen, I don't want to hear none of that no more. And I'll just be honest with you, most likely there's going to be friction in the home. I remember a guy named Lee Strobel. Uh, he wrote a case for Christianity. He was an investigative journalist. And I listened to his testimony. His wife had become a Christian. And she was that Christian that was leaving little verses everywhere and the Bible open and things highlighted him. She was doing everything pretty much wrong and it was driving him crazy and he was very angry because he had lost his wife in his marriage. She was there, but she was no longer the same wife that he had married. The things that they enjoyed, and there were things she wouldn't do no longer. And so by his testimony, he set out to prove this thing wrong. Now that worked against him. He became a Christian, praise God. But here's the thing, if, if he would have departed, and I want you to listen to this, if the unbeliever departs, let him depart. God's saying, don't fight against it. He's going to tell you why here in a minute. He said, if the unbeliever departs, let him depart. A brother or a sister is not under bondage in such cases. What did he just say there? Here's the thing. 
There are three things that will dissolve a marriage that in order that you can remarry. One is death. If one, of this, one, one spouse dies, that marriage bond is dissolved and that widow or widower is free to remarry. The Bible says way over here in verse 39, only in the Lord. So if you're a widow or a widower, you're free to remarry, but only in the Lord. The second one is this. If your spouse is unfaithful, and I want to really stress this, if there has been much attempt to reconcile, to, to repent, you know, encouraging from not only the, the, the spouse of the one that, you know, the one has been done wrong, but from, from the leaders in the church to, to members in the church that people are pleading, repent of what you've done, encouraging the, the one that's been offended to forgive. I mean, that's, that's really a picture of the gospel if you want to get right down to it. When you've been done that wrong and you're able to forgive and reconcile and God restores your marriage and can make it better than it ever was, that's our desire. But if not possible, then God says you can put them away if they're going to habitually just continue to commit adultery. You can put them away and you're free to remarry. And now He gives us a third permissible way that a person can remarry. He's saying, look, if you're in that home and you're trying, you're trying to be the the Christian husband or the Christian wife that God has called you to be, and you are loving and honoring and you know submitting to and respecting and doing everything, you know, all that you can do, and you're telling them the gospel, and you're and all it's met with is just friction and fighting and all of these things. And they say, you know what, I'm done here. This isn't the this isn't the woman I married, or this isn't the man I married. If you want that Christianity stuff, that's yours, but I'm out of here. God says, let them go. Don't don't try, don't try to keep that there. And there's just constant friction in your home. Because here's why. In verse 15, he says, God has called us to peace. We want to pray that somewhere in their life that God would send somebody that they would hear the gospel. But at this point in time, God has said, don't try to make them stay. You let them go. If this is where it's at, and you've got to understand something. We can read this and it just sounds as simple as, well, if they want to stay, stay. If they want to depart, depart. Oh, no big deal. It is a big deal. You've been married to this person. I mean, sometimes many years you've been married to this. I mean, there are situations that we come across even today when it's dealing with marriage and divorce that sometimes you're like, I'm not sure what to tell them here. I know a a couple of missionaries that went to Papua New Guinea. And you know what they come across? They come across polygamous uh, tribes. Men would have four and five wives and they had children with all these wives. What in the world do you do now? If they put all, if they, if they keep the first one and those children and put all the rest out, they, they have nobody to take care of them. They're going to starve. What do you do? I asked that missionary, I said, what did you do? And he says, if that's the way you are right now, everybody stay just like you are. 
going forward, everybody else, one husband, one wife. And those children. I mean, there's, there's tough things that we deal with. And so here's what he ends with. When he talks about this, he says, if that unbeliever departs, let him depart. You know, we're not under bondage. We're not, we're not confined to the bonds of, of, of matrimony in those situations. He says, God has called us to peace. And then he says, for how do you know, O wife, whether you will save your husband? So there's no guarantee. How do you know, O husband, whether you will save your wife? Listen, don't, don't, do not believe the false teaching that if we confess certain things, we create, you know, I don't know, we, with our words we create things. Get rid of that nonsense. You have no idea that if you, if you do everything right, you don't know that your unbelieving spouse will ever become a believer. There's no guarantee. God doesn't tell us that. He doesn't tell us that we raise our children properly, that we're guaranteed. I don't care what our Presbyterian friends think. They seem to think it's a given. At least the way I understand what they're saying. It's not a given. We don't know. It's, it's incredible. You see children raised up by the same parents and all of them turn out great and they're Christians, but there's one that just flipped out. And you think, what was the difference? Everybody was treated the same. I mean, you know, there's always those little individual details, but we're not, there's no guarantee. So when it comes to, to the married and just normal situations, you stay married. Do not be looking to get a divorce. If your companion is unfaithful, you strive with everything in you to, to, to repair, to, to restore that marriage. If you have an unbeliever, if you've married and, and one of you becomes a believer and you have that unbeliever and they want to stay with you, you, you keep them. You love them. You honor them. You respect them. You do all those things. But if they want to leave, you let them go. God's called you to peace. And God has permitted. And there's people that will argue. There's going to be people that may argue with you, me here. I, that's not, I'm not new to that. I'll, I'll stand by what I say until I feel convinced that God would show me otherwise. But God has called us to peace. In your marriages, you be everything that God has called you to be. You, on your part, don't ever let it be said that you did not give all that you have. Now, I want you to know something. I realize there's a, you know, my, my mom back there, I, I can remember bits and pieces when I was small. And it was, it was bad. It was bad. I remember her going through years of believing she was going to hell. Because she got a divorce from a very abusive man. I can remember the night that the pastor came. Visitation. She believed she was going to hell, but she had the right church. But praise God, the gospel got through. And she's not going to hell. She's not going to hell because that happened. That may be that may kind of describe you too. You may be sitting here right now and for years you have wondered, is my marriage 
Am I okay in it? I'm even going to say this. If you got a divorce and you didn't have the biblical grounds to do it, my advice to you is, if you've never said, God, I think I did wrong, would you please forgive me? That's my instruction to you. See, God gave us marriage to enjoy one another. He's called us to peace. He wants our marriages to be a reflection and a picture of Christ and His church. He wants you to enjoy one another in your marriages. Man, there's so much attack on marriage today. The old ball and chain. I mean, it's just like everybody fantasizing about, you know, the, the person over there and not what you have. Lord, help us to get a biblical mindset of just, just marriage. Would you bow your heads with me today?